Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends Condensed Spoop, a shorter, similar version of our show where we talk about current movies or anything interesting in the horror genre today. So starting off, I'm Chris. I'm Jarvis. Fuck Canada. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Dan. Hi. And today we are joined by two special guests, one who's been here before, uh, Mr. Colin Swayze. Hi, everybody. And a new guest who has been a big fan of the show, Mr. Mike John. <laughs> so on today's episode, we'll be talking about Halloween Kills, which at time of recording uh, came out about two weeks ago. And it's the sequel to the Hall- uh, 2018 Halloween, uh, which is in itself a direct sequel to the original. So it's ignoring everything past the original 1978 Halloween. Does, does that include the Halloween 2? Because Halloween 1978 is like largely considered like it's like John Carpenter, like both of those like kind of coincide with each other. Yeah, no, this one, uh, this trilogy does ignore Halloween 2. Wow. I think mostly because Halloween 2 um, is where it started with the Lori and Michael are siblings. And they wanted to ignore that for this trilogy. Gotcha. Okay. So we're also ignoring Rob Zombie's versions of Halloween 2, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank God. Are. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Not that those movies were bad. I didn't hate them, but there wasn't a lot of storytelling in him. It was a lot of killing, which is what he's like known for. So as far as a Rod Zombie film goes, it's probably one of the better ones he's made. But uh, story-wise, it, it it lacked a lot of content. Wait, hold up. Do do we not like the Devil's Rejects and all those movies? I'm not I mean, saying I, that I didn't like the Oh, Devil's okay. All right, all right. I was just, I was just no, for, like, for, like production-wise, he had a lot more play and freedom with these movies. With yeah, those I'm movies. with you. I'll play the contrarian, and uh, to quote a game grumps as we do, uh, Devil's Rejects is poopyastics, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so does that go for like that whole trilogy that he has of those movies? Do you uh, hate all of them? I hate. I, I mostly hate everything Rob Zombie, but I, <laughs> I wanted to throw like a chair at the TV screen when I saw Devil's Rejects. It made me so furious as, <laughs> as someone who watches like horror for fun. I. I wanted to crawl in a corner and cry, but also like just punch a baby. <laughs> <laughs> My inner child has never felt more assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, well, just prepare this. If you plan on seeing Halloween kills, I would suggest watching it before you listen to this episode. So if you listen to this before you watch it, just, just pause us for right now and go watch it. Uh, you know, cry for a little bit and then come back and listen because cause we want you to come back. We we need we need it. Yeah, please, please come back, please, <laughs> baby, please. Look, I know, I know, I haven't always been perfect. I know sometimes <laughs> I say some things that are a little insensitive, but you can blame it all on Dan. But please, baby, you can back. blame me. Just <laughs> come back, guys. I will always come back to you, no matter what. You had me at hello. Oh, <laughs> we appreciate that. So yeah, like I said. Very spoiler-filled episode. Um, this takes this movie takes place immediately after the events of the 2018 Halloween. So before we get more into this, I want to get everyone's consensus on the original, or not the original, the 2018 Halloween. Whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I'll go. I thought that the 2018 was great. Um, 
And actually, I saw Chris over the past weekend of recording this, and we kind of discussed this. Um, we, I, I really liked the aspect of um, bringing Lori, right? I'm blanking on names. Is it Lori? Yeah, Lori. That's the, yeah, like, we really hyper-focused on Lori's character and her family. Um, and we, we finally got to see, like, this badassery of Lori that we haven't seen for a little while. So, like, I think that that was, like, the refreshing aspect of it. And, um, you know, I, I thought that Michael in that movie really was, like, a classic Michael where he stalks, he kills, he's efficient. Um, and he he's not just, like, brutal slasher, like a lot of like slashers started to move into after they get away from their uh, roots. But that th I saw it in 2019, I think. So it's been a long time, but those are the aspects of it that I really liked. And I remember. I, um, I did, I did enjoy the 2018 Halloween. I liked that. It took a, um, not so much a new, but a very realistic look at what trauma can do to, a person, especially in a person that's been in a situation with like somebody trying to kill them and chase them around or like a kidnapping or anything like that. Um, it definitely goes to show that kind of what the trauma can play on not only that person, but their family and their lives. Like she lives out in the woods all by herself. She doesn't spend time with her family anymore. They basically have rejected her and her mom likes to lie to her daughter saying, or the, her daughter lies to her granddaughter. Like, oh no, uh, grandma can't make it. She, you know, she can't make it to the, uh, to your graduation. I'm sorry. And then she like calls grandma and she's like, hey, can you come? She's like, yeah, I'll be there. I didn't even know it was happening. It's like, ah, we saw what you did there. Shame on you, Karen. Shame on you. I, uh, I, I liked it for what it was. Um, I thought that Michael was more of a force of nature than, we saw him in more of the most of the sequels in the past. Uh, he felt like how he was in the original. Um, in terms of that film as a whole, I think it was really well done in how it felt like how people that saw the original thought they remembered it looking like. It just has that like aesthetic to it. The the issues I have with that film kind of just lie in its retconning of the iconic parts. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that wasn't a fan of eliminating the sister brother aspect of Michael and Laurie. Um, and as much as I thought it was cool to see Jamie Lee Curtis in that kind of like very aggressive role, I didn't feel like it was a natural progression from her character in the original as opposed to how she was in H2O. She felt more Sarah Connor than um, like a real person to me. No, that's a very good point. Um, I really did enjoy the 2018 one. Um, I, as Swayze said, the, uh, just how it was just the trauma that you see Lori went with from dealing with that over the 40 years. And even just like the one scene that really sticks out to me, and that was um, right before Michael escapes from the bus, like she's in her truck as um, the bus goes by. And I think if you look closely, you can see Michael in the window of the bus and like, she just, just kind of snaps and just screams because she knows this person that just terrified her and tried to kill her 40 years ago was just right there. And then just seeing her go to like that dinner afterwards and kind of like lose it in front of her family. I thought that was really good, but enough about that one. 
we're going to jump right into Halloween Kills, which I will say, as much as I did enjoy this movie, it does lack story substance. But again, it is used as a connecting story for um, what's going to be the last movie next year, which I think is going to be called Halloween Ends. And I believe it's going to be like a four year jump to that one. So it's not going to be like immediately following this movie. Like there's going to be a time jump. Um, This movie where it lacks in story, it really makes up for it in the brutality. The fact that this is possible, I'm pretty sure it is the highest body count uh, Michael Myers had in any of his movies. Oh, by far. It's like 27... I think confirmed kills and that's without trying to count the lump of bodies at the end of the movie. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's not our job. Our job is just to sit and go huh, and enjoy it. Well, at least most of us enjoy it. So, um, anybody want to jump in, talk about like one big thing they liked about the movie or didn't like about the movie. Oh yeah. The, um, that flashback sequence is like, gold i felt like there there are moments where i couldn't tell what was like added in from the original film and what was new it felt like it was filmed in that era oh yeah no that was shot very well done and i mm-hmm. actually thought that uh loomis in those scenes was just it was like a cgi loomis like what they did with like uh tarkin in uh what was it uh rogue one in star oh Wars. yeah yeah that's what i thought it was but it was actually just uh somebody like an actual person um, I can't remember. It was actually someone who wasn't an actor, but it was somebody who um, was like a crew member, like behind the scenes. I think of maybe the 2018 Halloween. That was just like a spinning image of Loomis. And so they uh, used him. Yeah, it just it it rang true to that original film in so many ways. Um, some of the actors like um, little Lonnie, like it was really hard for me to tell that that was a different actor from the original. Um there, there are flaws, obviously. Um, I was not a big fan of Officer Mick Monologue, who seemed like he brought people up to that hill like weekly to be like, well, nothing ever happens in this town. <laughs> yeah, if I could have heard that any more times that, you know, nothing ever happens in this town. Nothing ever happens in it. Like he said it so much that he died saying it. Like, I, <laughs> no, I get it. Ever, nothing ever happens in this town. He like takes rookies up all the time. so. The all of his like, co-workers are like, listen, he, he's going to do this thing. We'll give you time and a half. <laughs> just entertain him for the time being. We, honestly, we won't get upset if you shoot him. <laughs> on, just play on along. That. Act surprised. It'll be over soon. Speaking oh. of shooting, um, Hawkins is the worst shot I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> so Such a terrible shot. If he was aiming for his neck, he, he's a great shot, but... I don't think that's what he was aiming for. Michael's walking down that stairwell after he killed his partner, and he's like point blank and just misses everything in the room. On on that note of like that exact scene, I really liked um, one of the aspects I really liked was a shot that they did. So as soon as Michael walks out of the house and all the cops are surrounding him, they do this still shot scene. That's very reminiscent of the opening scene of the original Halloween, where they kind of like still shot where Michael's standing outside of his house with the knife and his parents like come up to him Um, and they like kind of pan out. They did the same thing with the cops, like holding the gun on Michael while he's standing outside of his house. 
And I was like, oh, that was really cool. Like, I, I noticed that. That was, was a very neat, neat shot. Yeah, it looked like it was cut out of the original movie, like as if that was a scene from the end of the original movie when Michael's caught. I, I don't I don't have a whole lot of good good written down in my I, I didn't write down a lot of notes here, but like out of the notes that I did write, like I don't have a whole lot of, of good here. Another good thing that I noticed was um I wrote good suspense with Lori. I don't really remember what I meant by that, but apparently there was a scene in there where there was some really good sense suspense with Lori. Uh so good job on that suspense. That was good with Lori. Good job, movie. I honestly can't even think of what that could be. I don't know what that could be either, because she's just in the hospital half the time. I don't know. Yeah, for those who plan on seeing this movie and expecting another like badass brawl between Lori and Michael, uh, you will sadly be disappointed, seeing as Lori basically takes a backseat for this entire movie. Um, I will give it that it does make sense, since uh, by the end of the first one, she has been stabbed in the abdomen. And also, like the shit beaten out of her, so she 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 just deserves like a nice little nap and like a juice box break. She's a butterfly kiss away from death. Uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I will also like again this this episode is less summarizing the movie, more of just reviewing and going through it. But we are going to touch on aspects of the movie just just to kind of explain the well lack thereof story more or less. Um. Shortly after this, and, you know, we have Michael inside the burning house is where the last movie ended with Laurie, Karen, and Allison being taken away in that truck. We see the firemen go by, and sure enough, the firemen help Michael escape. But I will say, as dumb as that was, I really enjoyed Michael just destroying all those firemen outside the house. It was so brutal. So I wrote something down about that because I was like, I don't know why I thought of this, but I looked at it and I immediately thought of like Halo while he's out there getting his kill streak. Um, my man got a Kilimanjaro and a running riot because he killed 11 firefighters. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's 11 kills of this movie, like in the first 10 minutes. All of them are like uniquely shot to um, that one shot of the pickaxe going through the goggles is that's that that's the beauty of this character they did that twice too like the first one was inside of a house and like you saw like a shot where he was hitting the mask from inside then you saw saw from outside and then it broke then they did one where it was completely inside of the mask but that was outside it was like the one of the first ones he killed he just went yacht with that i forget what that tool is called um but yeah he, he i love that scene that's a great scene I I said that while while I thought it was very cool here, the exact words I said were firefighter scene, while very cool, completely ridiculous. Like I just I I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've I'm gonna see in this movie, right? Like this is the dumbest thing I'm gonna see. Like all these firefighters are like getting together like they're in the jets, and Michael is the only member of the sharks over there. And they're just like ready to like pirouette their way over to him with their axes <laughs> in hand and just like spraying him in the groin with their fire hose, like trying to make him look like he wet himself. <laughs> and like he's just swinging life away, listening to Rise Against over here. Just like <laughs> the most ridiculous scene I've ever, I, I don't, I thought it would be the, the most ridiculous scene. I, I mean, I was wrong, but 
that, that's oh. all. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, oh, how wrong you were. I, 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 as much as I enjoyed the scene, I still looked at it as the classic scene of, all right, we all could attack him at the same time, but we're not going to. You go, then you go, then I'll go, then you go. And then we'll all just be violently murdered one after the other. See, what I, what I enjoyed about this movie was that um, the directors and the writers themselves have said that, because everybody's always like, well, what is Michael Myers? Um, they said that themselves, Michael Myers is supposed to be evil personified. He's supposed to be like the living embodiment of evil. And what I like about this movie is that he's just gone, I'm done. It's enough. Everybody's dying. I'm not searching anymore. I'm tired of it. And it, at first, it, it is that, and then it gets very gimmicky. So I, I will give you that. There are like parts of this movie where it's just kind of like, really? Was that necessary? There's one part in particular I pointed out to Chris before we recorded, and it still makes me laugh. He threw a tantrum in a kitchen. It was great. Oh, uh, yes. The, uh, the poor elderly couple in that one house. I mean, as much that- as I enjoy the brutality of some of the kills... That one, with uh, for lack of a better term, was overkill to the highest extent. It, yeah, it I, was so mean. I was like, so that's one of those things that really upset me, and that that was indicative of uh, the Rob Zombie films. It just felt like it was excessive cruelty that took you out of like the whole reason people are coming there to get entertained through scare. Or being, uh, oh, sorry, to inter- get entertained through being scared, and I just thought like they're lingering on these people for way too long, and I don't want to see like some woman watch her husband get stabbed to death uh, until she like just dies. And that's yeah. never really something that Michael's done in any of the movies. Like, yeah, he is evil personified, but he's it was never done in like an act of cruelty like this, where he not only has already more or less killed this guy in a different room, stabbed her in the neck, and then brought him in there to then, you know, mutilate him more in front of her as she's dying. So that was where I was like, okay, that's that's a bit much. All jokes aside of me, like talking about the firefighter scene, uh, like bringing up that scene with the elderly couple. And I'm sure that there's probably one other scene, but like it just didn't feel like Michael Myers in those moments. I was like, this just feels like a big budget slasher movie from Hollywood, like trying to be like, ooh, look how gory we are and how malicious we are we're killing people and it like to me michael was always like all right i'm coming in i have a mission of the people i'm gonna kill i'm gonna go into this house i'm gonna kill this person i'm gonna go here i'm gonna kill this person all right i'm done killing them gonna go kill another person now and like that was it like these were like all right i'm gonna be as disgustingly brutal as possible and it just it doesn't feel like halloween in those moments and it, that kind of like took me out. It felt like he had to try hard to be as creative as he was too, because he looked for a fluorescent light bulb to stab into her neck. Yeah, like not any of the other utensils he had access to, like the knives, butter knives, spoons, and sporks he stabbed Dude, we, the other guy. We have watched Mike Myers literally just shove someone's face into like frozen the that like frozen water stuff and then smashed their head just because it was the quickest way to kill someone we've seen him like stab a knife through someone to the extent that it, it props them up in the air question mark but sure i guess like 
he just does the most efficient thing. And this just seemed like he was Andy Warhol of murder. Like that just didn't make sense. Not that I'm going to try and like jab at your thought there, Dan, because I do agree with it, but I will say, I believe the woman in ice and then her face shattered. I believe that was Jason X because I watched like a video about Jason. S. Well, that's what I'm saying. He was. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 that wasn't what I was saying. No, that wasn't what I was saying. I just fucked it up. That's all. (laughs) But, (laughs) (laughs) but I get it. Like that's, and that's where it can easily be confused because whereas Jason was just crazy brutality all the time, every time Michael never was. And then you get that kind of kill thrown in this movie where it almost makes him seem like Jason for a second. Or he's brutal as Jason. Clearly, that was the point I was trying to make all along. Thank <laughs> yes. you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Just, help, just helping you get that out there. Um, Listen, he just wanted to light up Sandra's world. That's all I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> I have another one. Oh, <laughs> my girl. Come on. <laughs> to give the scene credit, I did want to go out and buy a remote control drone immediately afterwards. Oh, same. <laughs> she was so happy with that drone. He's so like, hey, happy. you want to drink some worked. wine and you want to drink some wine, maybe fuck. And she's like, hell no, I'm fucking with my drone. I called him old and frisky because I didn't say that. <laughs> That's Dr. Old and frisky. old and frisky to you. That's Dr. Old and frisky to you. So. Uh, well, just from after that, um, at least I think it's after that. So that's when we get the uh, um, the bar scene. Uh AKA the huge, massive uh, exposition dump for anybody watching this what Halloween a movie. Terrible and- way to do that. What a terrible, terribly boring, weird way to do that. Like, you're supposed to make things feel believable when you're giving exposition. Like, this just felt like the weirdest way to give us exposition. Like, this guy's like, all right, it's a talent show, a fun night for the adults on Halloween. Everybody's dressed up. Here we go. We just had 40 years ago, so many people were murdered. Yeah, Tommy, go right ahead. Why not? I guess. Sure. Go. All right, here goes Tommy telling a story. <laughs> Can we talk about how much Tommy wants to be a Chad? Can we just discuss <laughs> that for a second. Like, the, the entire movie from that point on is just him like, all right, I know what to do. I'm the leader now. You all have to listen to me. Like to the point of him yelling at the cops and like tell him, shut the fuck up. Like, boy, I know this is a movie, but you would be in handcuffs so fucking quick. Like, <laughs> that's a no, no. You don't do that. Tommy ain't no beta male. Okay, Swayze. Tommy ain't no beta male. He's not an alpha male, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did Tommy feel like an anti-masker to anyone else? Like, I was like, this is the guy who's screaming in the Walmart that I will not have my freedoms infringed upon to the police as they're pepper spraying him in the face. Like, he, I can't breathe if he has a mask on. Yeah, that's that's Tommy. <laughs> 100%. I've seen like seven of him daily when I used to work at the uh, DMV. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> oh, you poor bastard. Yeah, what I, do you mean? I can't get it. <laughs> but yeah, Dan, you're right. Like, it's like, I get it. He wants to, like, remind people of the horror that th- happened to this town. But, like, there's a time and place. People are just drinking, having a great time. It's a talent show. And clearly, Tommy, your talent is just <laughs> killing the mood. That's your talent. It was like a one-two switcheroo, too, because it's already a bad time because no one really has a good time at a karaoke slash talent show at a bar. 
And then you had yeah, uh, no, absolutely not. Lonnie come up and say, well, we're going to have a monologue from Tommy here, like uh, the thespian, and everyone's like, getting prepared. And then it's like, 9-11 was a sad time. Do you remember this? Nine. Huh? Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's a small town. There's probably not a lot of bars, but Tommy, really? Read the room, dog. Yeah, read, read the room. The room. <laughs> Real quick, in this bar, if we could take just a little journey and uh, just fast forward just a little bit to the bartender who's behind the bar, of course, because that's where he works. Um, sorry, that was unnecessary, but needless. Anyway, continuing. Um, we we see Tommy talking to the bartender, and the bartender is talking about how, you know, he's got this baseball bat, and he says if if Michael ever comes around, then he's going to use the bat. He's going to beat him away. And he's going to, and, and we get this cool moment of like, I mean, maybe not even cool, but it's just like, all right, there's a little foreshadowing. Something's going to happen. We're going to get like the scene with this. And as soon as the couple comes back in and is like, Michael's in my car. What does Tommy do? He goes, here's $10. I'm going to take your sentimental baseball bat and I'm going to use it for the rest of the movie. And we are, and like, it's kind of funny, and it happens, and fucked up, but, like, we're robbed of, like, this man's story, and I, I'm i not, I guess I'm more criticizing the story writers here, because I'm like, what was your purpose here? Like, why did you steal this, this man's, like, story, this black man's story of, like, his, um you know, retribution story that we could have had, and it could have been kind of cool, like a bar scene with Michael and like the guys like get the fuck out of my bar. Like that could have been a kind of cool scene, but just, I, I don't know. He was you also hit like right on the totally head, cool with it though. He was like, yeah, go ahead. Take Wait, the bartender, the bartender, he kind of gave him anything. lip about it. He gave him lip about it. He was like, Wait, Hold on, Tommy's like, shut the fuck up. I'm not a beta male. And he was like, I, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't take it as him giving a lip. I just took it as him going, okay, Tommy, you go get him. Because he didn't, like, there was no type. He didn't touch enough. And he was just like, that's my bat. Wait, if the, if he was actually giving him a lip. Because he didn't do anything. Yeah, that, that was about the extent of it. I will say also in this scene, which I mentioned it to you before, Dan. So yeah, this moment was led to believe that Michael's out in... um the one couple's car, I can't remember their names, and I feel bad because I, I kind of like their characters. Um, the doctor and the nurse. Yeah, they were they were kind of funny. But it, it, it sucks because, like, again, like I said, we talked about this before. In that, like, there's a short moment in that bar where it's talking about, because, um, again, this is happening the exact same night as the last movie. So it's talking about the uh, transport bus from the ho the mental hospital that was transporting Michael, and it mentions that two uh, patients are unaccounted for, and that's Michael and somebody else. And we have no idea who this other person is, and it's literally just poor crazy guy number two. Where throughout this movie, like, yeah, they think it's Michael. Tommy gets the whole town to like a mob and they think they're chasing after Michael, but it's just poor, this poor crazy guy who just has no idea what the fuck's happening. But you wouldn't know that unless you happen to notice the TV in the background going, we had the bus turnover earlier and two guys escaped, but we don't know where they are, who they are. Can, can I ask you guys, would it, would it have changed this movie at all 
if we just didn't have anything with this other guy in it. Like absolutely. I, I mean, Dan, earlier you hit it on the head about there being like a different plot. I felt like there were three different movies that were combined into one super fucked movie. Um, th- this whole thing in general with the uh, the mob going after this guy, I thought that that on its own could have been something entirely perfectly equitable on its own. And it just was lost. I, I it, it took me away from the Mike Myers story. And I almost wanted like a pseudo sequel that's about Haddonfield being affected by Michael. He's gone. Something goes down and the town goes crazy and is hunting down the wrong people until they realize that they were the monsters all along. Um, I, it just, it's, it's senseless and it's kind of wasted in this movie. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think it's, um, it's a shame. It really is. It's it's a shame that we didn't get a concise story about that. Like, I get what they were trying to do with it. At least what I think what they're trying to do with is that, yeah, this mob were like, no, yeah, we're going to take the city back for ourselves. You know, we're not afraid of Michael. But I just I, I look at it as what they're trying to say is that, you know, this is what happens when just the fear takes over and makes these people do things that they wouldn't normally do because of the fear they have for Michael. But I just think it was just not done right at all. No, I agree with you because half this movie is uh, Michael Myers killing people. And the people that have either run into Michael Myers before Michael Myers before or have experienced some kind of interaction with him know how hard he is to kill. And then there's the other half that are running around with sticks, hockey sticks, baseball bats, anything they can grab. In the one clip at the end, the lady has a a flat iron. I don't know what the fuck she's going to do with that. I'm um, going to curl your hair. No, it's like the ones that you would do like to uh, like an ironing board iron. Oh, she just <laughs> has one in her hand in like the end. Anyway. Like, I always that hated half. how wrinkled that jumpsuit was. Right. There's that half that are running around with this fear that he's around, but they still want to do something about it. And it just shows how stupid and chaotic humans can be when they're faced with the unknown. For sure. And there, there have been so many works that have like covered that. I mean, uh, uh, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery comes to mind when this kind of thing. But I, I just feel... If you're doing a story about how stupid and senseless mob mentality is and how innocent people can get hurt in that thing, it really drags that plot down if you have a real, viable, immortal monster killing people in the background. The crazy mob just leads to a poor crazy guy jumping out of the hospital, kills himself, and you know most of the mob was just like, oh, damn. Anyway... And that's pretty much it. So that's how I'm just going to mostly wrap that up. But if anyone else has anything else they'd like to add. Yeah, just just real quick. Just a couple last points for me. And then I'll be done with the mob part. Um, The one part that I really hate, like, I I guess it's two parts. The two things that I really hated with the mob mentality was one was um, I hate in movies, and this isn't just this movie, but any movie where I can be like, would this movie have changed any, like any iota if this just wasn't in it? And this is one of those moments where it's like, 
wow, this would have just been the same exact movie if we just would have taken out all this mob mentality scene. Like, I mean, we, we could have had aspects of it, but like we didn't have to have like the guy jumping out the window. And I think that that is um, that holds true just for the fact that even the writers didn't know how to write character emotions after it happened. Like they had to write in um, or I, I don't remember who it was, but they said that Tommy, they were like, stop feeling sorry for yourself for this. And I was like, I mean, he doesn't even look like he feels sorry for himself. So I don't know why you're saying that, but I guess you're saying it about the guy. And then we just never hear about it again. And it was a pretty brutal thing. Like I would think I would probably be rocking on floor if i saw a guy splat on the ground like that in front of me but these people just carried on like it wasn't anything uh the second thing and this is more just specific to this and a, a lot of like michael movies it feels like now but they always try to say that michael is to blame for the mom mentality like look at what michael's doing to all of us and it's like I hate them trying to push that rhetoric because it's like, he's not doing anything. Like he's walking around and killing people. Like he always has. He's not, I don't think he's smart enough to do that. Like he's smart, but he's not smart enough to manipulate an entire town. It's not like he's, you know, a lich or something like that, or like a wizard. <laughs> like he's not like manipulating the people. He's just going around killing people. Like, so I, I don't even like that false narrative that the writers try to, Put into our heads because i'm just like i'm not that stupid can you not treat me like i'm stupid <laughs> like so I, I i really hate those two aspects of this um but that that's really all i have to say about it it really did feel like they were writing the metaphors into the dialogue just in case you didn't get it like uh, i agree with dan where he's saying you don't need to say that michael's causing this because then it seems like it's like a mystical thing where how I interpreted it and how I thought it was they were meant to say it was his like effect on the town was influencing people just because of how he has like this like um, your mythical hold on the town. But you don't need to say that, you know, you can just keep that quiet and make the action tell that. And by talking about it, it just feels like I'm having like something waved in my face to tell me, oh, you need to feel this way. This is what we mean. Are we deep? Yeah, it's it's it almost comes off as like insulting, like just insulting our intelligence at some point. It's I don't know. Just let me think. Just let me figure things <laughs> out. Yeah. Um. So during this whole time with the mob, uh, at this point, Allison has left the hospital and she is uh, running around with her, I guess, boyfriend again, Cameron, uh, who is Lonnie's son, and they are they're trying to look for Michael, and this is when Lonnie kind of like. Is able to chart the path and at least look on the, the town map and know that where Michael's going, going off the killings, and he's just going back to his home. Which is when we uh, we get to meet my two favorite characters of the entire movie, uh, Big John and Little John. Love them. Love them. Ah, uh, yes, as I had said earlier, Stuart from Mad TV and Fat Christian Slater. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping for a scene of just like Michael goes in and it's just like no get away no stop him I don't wanna no. don't <laughs> <laughs> like uh, just a little bit of a sidebar for that part because I know we all love those characters we've, we've discussed it before the, the, the podcast and we're discussing it now they're great characters did you did you guys hear anything about everybody trying to say that they're going to cancel this movie because Michael Myers is homophobic because he killed two gay people you know, it would be more homophobic if he saw them like, ew, and then he left. Like, 
he is an equal opportunity killer. He killed them because they were there in his house. It, it has nothing to do with them being gay. You know, I, I would actually say I appreciated uh, more representation. Like, we had a biracial couple in this. Um, right. And they were elderly. Like, that's pretty cool. We had a gay couple in this. Um, and they weren't, like, jokes. Like, too too often in Hollywood movies, we have, like, the gay couple. And it's, like, modern family gay couple where it's like, Oh, my God, I'm super dramatic. and And the other guy is, like... I don't know, like very flamboyant. And it's like, it wasn't really like that. It didn't have that vibe or like in a biracial couple, it'll be like, Oh, well, the black person's real ghetto and the white person's a wimp. And they just like, like, like it just falls into these tropes, but this movie didn't do that. Like it felt, it felt very refreshing. I'm so happy you brought that up Swayze. Cause I forgot completely how I felt about that until you said that. They felt like their own people. Like they felt they like did. their own person, and that was that was good. <laughs> it felt like um, how the original Haddonfield from the seventies was like what an idyllic town at the time would have been. Uh, they made it seem like this is what an ideal town is. It's a town where everybody's really accepting. You know, no one really looks at each other for their race or what they're into. It's just you are who you are, and people people accept that. I mean, there's people that are little shits, like the kids that are pranking the house, but. Overall, it's like a well-integrated um, community. I can't wait to talk more about those kids. I hate those kids. Fuck those kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we can just talk about them real quick because I do want to just keep going. Oh, fantastic. Can I start? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, first off, we have Little Shit 1, Little Shit 2, and Little Shit 3. Uh, they're just... Their whole idea is we're going to steal candy from the gay couple. Like, leave... First off, leave them alone. Second... Y'all really wanted to, to to play that kind of prank where like your friend is dying? What the hell is the matter with you? And I I did like that when they finally died. I don't know if you guys caught this or not because the movie that it was referencing was garbage. But um, they did a little shout out to Season of the Witch from the original because each one of them had one of the masks that was in the window from Season yes, of the Witch. I did pick up on that. I didn't catch that. I was I, like, it was yeah, pretty I was like, oh, awesome. Fantastic. Yes, yeah, you're dead, and there's a reference. I love it. Yeah, because season of, season of the Witch is not a good, not a good movie. That was just them thinking like, oh, we could continue the Halloween franchise, but it doesn't always have to be Michael. And then after that movie, they realized, oh, everyone hated that. I think it should always be Michael. Yeah, we don't talk about that movie. Nice. The movie stays where it belongs. Then. If you own it, it's only because you bought the collection and it's in the collection. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even much. know what that movie was. That's a really cool throwback. Thank you for telling me about that. Yes, we have uh, Big John, Little John. They're living in Michael's house. So, yeah, Lonnie kind of charts the course across his map and sees that this is where Michael's heading. And also during this time, we do get dialogue uh, back at the hospital between like Laurie and Karen and also... Forgot to mention this, uh, Hawkins, he is part of the flashbacks, and in the first movie, he gets stabbed in the neck by, uh, so I can't remember the doctor's name from the first one, it was just a very long name, difficult to pronounce, but I remember this one show I watched, it's, they just, yeah, I remember, it as, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, Dr. Good and Sexy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the that YouTube show I watched. just does it for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the YouTube show I watched, they just refer to him as the the new Loomis or just Numis. 
So Officer Hawkins gets stabbed in the neck by Numis in the last movie, but it turns out he was actually alive. Cameron found him. They're over again at the hospital, and he seems to be doing okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so like, there is some dialogue between Laurie and Hawkins. Um, I don't know if anyone else caught it, but there, it's kind of like, kind of implied that Karen might be Hawkins' like daughter. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. I, I, it's it's not very obvious, but it's like slightly discussed. I, I definitely I did not see that at all. I mean, yeah, no, I didn't get that at all. I think you're alone on that hill. But but well, it's something I like read online. That's like it's implied. It wouldn't surprise me that they weren't explicit enough in their exposition. I'm just saying. So I could believe it. Well, it's, well, Tommy wasn't there to do a big monologue for them. If only just Tommy was on the there. He just taps on the microphone. I gotta tell you this story. About this <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> he just comes in as Lori's talking to Hawkins. Yeah. She's like, no, Lori, let me handle this. This one night I was watching Lori and Hawkins through their window. <laughs> it was a bear rug. It was a bear rug. <laughs> I was watching them from across the street with a telescope in the attic. I had my Superman <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't wearing pants. I had tidy whities on. What is the matter with you? <laughs> Lots of spanking. There was the spanking. Lots of spanking. Lots of spanking. Um, I will say, as much as I do, all right. So, as we're like trying to, I'm just trying to push us towards the end. So, Michael does get back to his house, and unfortunately, he does murder both Big John and Little John. Big John, very brutal. Uh, very brutal. Um, and I was kind of happy that uh, Little John was killed off screen. Um, but after that, uh, Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison do make their way to the house. And this, uh, and I'm pretty sure we talked about this before. Lonnie's just very dumb. Just like, no, you two wait here. And if I was Allison, I would have been like, motherfucker, I'm the one holding the shotgun. I'm still running off this like big dick energy of already having to fight him off earlier. And the fact that my dad was killed like just a couple hours ago. So I'm just bloodthirsty for this son of a bitch. I'm going to follow you in there with the shotgun. Lonnie legit came out like, all right, stay out here unless you hear a shot. Then I want you to come in. <laughs> unless you hear a gunshot, which at that point I'll be dead. So at that point, <laughs> it's all on you to do what I clearly couldn't do because I went in alone. I mean, this is also coming from the character that like stated earlier that he was basically a coward. And we saw that he was basically a coward in like the flashback. And then all of a sudden, he just musters all this energy. Like, I'm brave now. I'm going inside. And it's like, bro, Michael Myers just killed Big John and Little, Little John, who are easily better characters than you, while they're playing their own special version of Marco Polo. And you expect to do anything about that. All right. Good job. Good luck. He said, Tommy's going to notice me after this. So, yeah, I was uh, thinking, does uh, did anyone else think that there was something going on with Lonnie and Michael? Because that whole flashback sets up some sort of connection between them. And my interpretation was that Lonnie was going to be the one that people were assuming was doing all the killings. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think? I... I don't know. Like I was, I was thinking like it was going to make something about it because especially since they put a lot of this focus on Tommy because he was with Lori um, during the events of the first movie. 
and he also survived the traumatic experience, but also showed in that flashback of Lonnie having a face-to-face encounter with him. And I was like, all right, so maybe there will be some kind of big payoff between Michael and Lonnie. And no, Lonnie goes inside. You hear the gunshot. He's found shoved up and like accordioned in the fucking attic. Like, no, I, I feel like it was just a huge waste of time, honestly. It's very I, weak, for, to say the least. really wish I could have saw him turn him into a pretzel. Because I was just, I mean, I know you guys were like, oh, no, it's super brutal. Like, it's not Michael Mar. I enjoyed that part. Um, so when I saw him in the attic, I was like, how? How? How the fuck? How? I want. How? No, no, I definitely would have liked to see the pretzel. I, I, yes, I did say, like, with all this brutality, it didn't seem like Michael. I will say, I still enjoyed it. It was, was very exciting, especially the theater I saw it in. We were in like a slightly fancier, like Dolby theater. So like the seats you were in, like vibrated and reacted during certain tense moments of the movie, whether it was like music or gunfire. So it added a little extra, like un- unsettled, uh, unsettledness to the kills. Did it vibrate when that girl shot herself? Cause she doesn't know how to shoot a gun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is I my was- favorite death of the entire movie, by the way. It's kind of my favorite death, but I was also so disappointed about it because I was like, man, she probably could have done something. But, you know, like me and Jackie joked, like Jackie's like, you know, like right afterwards, like if they're all in the afterlife, like as far as she knew, she was about to shoot him. And then all of a sudden she woke up dead and she was like, what the hell happened? Like he hit the door into your hand. You shot yourself. Son of a bitch. I just wanted to ask, uh, whenever everyone heard a. Big John and Little John. Did anyone else think about that Oodalali song from Robin Hood, like the Disney song? Like Robin yes. Hood and Little John walk through yes. the forest, <laughs> back and forth. That what the other one has to say. <laughs> yeah, that's I, all. I did that. I'm, I'm trying not to get too like derailed, like I do on the other show, but I, I can't help it. Like this is just the things that go through my mind when I'm watching it. We should just make an entire another recording of us talking about Big John and Little John. <laughs> I think I could do a whole podcast series on that. All right. So, yeah, Lonnie tried to be the big man, went inside. You just hear the gunshot. Allison Cameron run in. Um, they look around. They eventually find Lonnie upstairs. Cameron finds Big John and Little John dead. And that's when we get a little fight between them. I will say as much as I was kind of stoked that Allison was like, you know, big dick energy going in there to fight Michael. She did, I feel like, last a little longer than she should have. But then Michael yated her down the stairs and snapped her ankle in twain. And then this is a point where me and Jackie joked that, dear God, Cameron, just die. Like, did anyone else feel like Cameron's death took way too long. And just every time he gurgled, Michael was just like, oh, seriously, all right, no, God damn it, just die. I mean, I guess it was accurate. Like, he probably wouldn't have died right away just from getting his head slammed back and forth. But. Right. It wasn't like he was impaling him. He was hitting him against a blunt object. And it wasn't even like like a wall. It was, it was, it was a skinny piece of wood. Fair. It just felt like the... The one that took the longest. It did. To be fair, he only did one thing that was helpful for the both movies, and that was finding the the police officer on the ground. Everything else he did was just kind of be there. 
Yeah. The, the thing he did in the last movie was cheat on Allison and just be like, I was drinking. Yeah, and then like Blaine does the most toxic man thing ever and like blames her for it, takes her phone, throws it in punch, and then looks at her like, You wanna get that? I was like, Oh, oh, we would be fighting. So it's uh, it's after this Karen shows up where we it seems like Michael's about to kill Allison and then Karen showed up stabbed him in the back with a pitchfork that was outside uh, Big John Little John's home slash Michael's home. Allison's able to get away. Um, Karen draws Michael back to where like the last of the mob is, and they're all just beating the shit out of Michael. And then sure enough. Uh, also, I'll give Jackie credit on this one. Um, it was like the scene in Family Guy when Joe gets his legs back and then he becomes a douchebag. So Peter, Cleveland, and Quagmire go to try and break his legs again. And then it's just like 45 seconds of Joe violently beating the shit out of all of them. That's exactly what happened. We're here to break your legs, Joe. And that's not what happened. I mean, yeah, these townspeople got a good few good few hits into Michael where it seemed like he'd be dead and then he just got up and murdered all of them to which he even takes this bat that Tommy took from the bartender and uses the bat itself to take out Tommy. Which was such a fun kill because it's like, hey, you stole this and he looks at it. He's like, this isn't yours. I'm going to kill you with it. That was the best part of that. Like I was I was very satisfied when I saw that happen because I was like, all right, at least I feel like there was a little bit of um, justice that was doled back to Tommy after that. But. I was a big fan of, uh, there's like a look in Tommy's eyes like, man, I just should have stayed at the talent show. <laughs> Maybe if I wasn't such a Chad, I wouldn't be about to fucking die right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he had a mic, he would have tapped it like, let me tell you a story, Michael. <laughs> Maybe he would have hesitated for like a second and be like, no. Maybe Tommy died because Michael told him that he actually is the beta male. Maybe that's what actually <laughs> killed him. Maybe. He had to figure out somehow. So um, it's at this point where the movie basically ends. Um, and yeah, Dan, we talked about this before for whatever reason. So Karen walks into Michael's house. She's upstairs looking out the same window that Michael always looks out and what officer exposition in the beginning flashback talked about. And as it also kind of shows Lori looking out the hospital window back at Michael's house, we at least what the way I've read it online, it's where it as uh, Michael seemingly uh, kills Karen at the window. Doesn't exactly say that's what happened. I don't know if this is just some crazy vision that maybe Lori's having or if it does actually happen. I hope it doesn't. Just because I like Judy Greer, I liked her character, especially in the first one. Her it was her character was a little bit more annoying in this one, but I did like her a lot in the first one. But I'd really prefer if she didn't die. And then the movie essentially ends with both Michael and Lori looking out their respective windows. I'm gonna keep my uh, opinion of that character out of this statement, but that was my actual favorite kill. Like the other one was jokesy and I, and I liked it because the girl shoots herself in the head, but this was my actual favorite kill because they shoot it like a classic slasher where it's like flashing back and forth between him trying to stab her and her, yes. putting her hands up. And it, it did like this homage to 
the classic slasher film and how but it was updated it wasn't like it reminded me of like the shower scene and it, it was just i loved it. it it was great the way they shot it and i really enjoyed it also who wears a christmas sweater on halloween Where's also fair also fair mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. she was awesome um, for it yeah <laughs> uh, yeah as much as i like as i said i hope that character's not that no like the way that kill was done was fantastic and like chef's kiss for that like that was fantastic but uh more or less that is halloween kills very lacking story very brutal in kills many kills on top of that like how many did you say Swayze? like a number of kills that were in this movie before the pile of bodies in the street when he decided uh resurrection spell here i am again um it was 27 but you're not able to count what he does in the street because you can't see everybody. And then you don't see how many actual dead bodies are there. Yeah. So we could say it's at, l- at least 30. We it's, can say it's at least 30. Well, it's 27 before that. So it's probably, it's probably around 35, close to 40. Okay. So Dan, to wrap it up, do you happen to have a spook meter for Halloween kills? Um, I don't. <laughs> I was not prepared. Um, hang on, hang on. I'm having a brain blast moment right now. Hang on, give me one second. I'm Jimmy Neutron, Jimmy Neutron on. I'm get, Jimmy get Neutroning it. This could only be good. Hang on, Jimmy's mom. Hang on, hang on. Aww. I'm imagining like thousands of like little dance inside his head, running around like pulling out like file cabinets, trying to find something. Yes, that's wrong. Like, like SpongeBob. All right. Like, where is Brain, it? We had it. Brain blast. I got it. One, one, one. Got a blast. All right. So there were 60 episodes of Jimmy Neutron, guys. So zero to 60. <laughs> what would you give this movie? Um, Dan, that was zero to 60. Yeah, zero to six. J- Jimmy Neutron. Okay. All right. So. I love this movie. I did. Now, it's definitely a bridge movie. It was a movie that was made to set up for the next one. And you can easily tell that um, the kills were awesome. Some of the shots were really well done. I would give it like, I'm probably going to die alone on this hill and that's perfectly fine. I'd probably give it like maybe 45 out of 60. It's not my favorite Halloween movie. But it's up there. Like, I really did enjoy it. Um, I liked that it. it felt like a mix of the brutalness of the Rob Zombie movies, because I liked the Rob Zombie Halloweens for that. But at the same time, it did have the story connection that we deserved and not that Michael Myers is the result of a cult of druids. So um, big fan of the new storyline and the way it's going. And I love the way that they showed the trauma and everything. So um, how it affected the townspeople, how it affected Lori and her family. I, so I'm going to say 45 out of 60. So for if I'm going to talk about this film because I've been warring with myself all week uh, with how I feel about this one. I, I feel like you have to talk about the original. At the time that that film came out in the 70s, it was, you know, Vietnam had just 
past, uh, we, we had like what, like numerous assassinations, uh, serial killers were on the rise. Like Charles Manson is fresh in the country's country's conscience, and the Halloween film was taking all that negativity, all those dark human, you know, um, instincts, and condensing it into one character, which is Mike Myers. Like uh, I think Swayze mentioned it before, it's the ultimate encompassment of evil, and it's about how a typical suburban town cults with that kind of monster. You have like an older generation in the form of Loomis who is trying to warn people of what's to come because he is of a World War II era. He's seen Nazis. Uh, that's not really mentioned in the film, but that's like what that character is supposed to represent. And then you have a character like Lori who is affected. She's like the generation that's being terrorized or for not being prepared for that monster. And they all try different ways to stop him, but you can't stop him because he's he's pure evil. You can't reason with it. You can't cure it. You can't kill it. If you try to kill it, all you do is send it out into the darkness. It takes a different form somewhere else, and it's always there. It's waiting down at the end of a dark hallway. It's at the end of your driveway. It's looking at you through a window, waiting for the chance to get at you. And that is like the importance of that film. And that's why like, I feel like sequels water down that movie, because it's so perfect in and of itself. And these last two movies have tried to do that. 18 got pretty close. This one had some pretty amazing elements to it in that regard like there were so many times i was like oh they, they're getting it they, they really get what michael myers is but then you throw in like different ideas it felt like they were so unconfident with just making a halloween movie that they needed to be more in your face about what they were trying to say and the film suffers from that i feel like there there could be a good movie there could be two good movies of this but overall it's just it's weak it's a weak weak movie anyway uh 50 jimmy neutrons it was it was fine all right, right off the bat, I'm going to give it 25 out of 60. Uh, Jimmy Neutron episodes, I'd watch some of them. But, I mean, I, I really feel like I touched on a lot of things that I didn't like about this movie. Uh, but the biggest thing was the acting. Acting was really poor, which I I just feel like is unacceptable in, like, newer age horror movies. Like, the acting is supposed to be pretty decent, especially in a big budget like this. Um. Some of the plot was just questionable. It didn't make sense to me. Um, and it was forgettable. Um, however, on the plus side, I will say it was had some had some good kills. Um, it had some good kills. It's uh, I felt connected to it because I had watched the 1978 and the 2018. I haven't watched a lot of Michael Myers movies. Um, so I, I, I felt connected to this one and that made me feel good about like as a movie watcher but i mean overall it just wasn't as it, it was bad compared to the 2018 one or even the originals um i would say watch it if if you did like if you like gory movies and things like that but uh, it's just not my cup of tea yeah, well i loved all of your points um i'm probably going to be kind of with uh Mike John Swayze, like I'm between 45 and 50 Jimmy Neutron episodes. I do love this movie. I or I love it in the sense that it did its job in my mind as a horror movie because as a lot of people have listened to with me and our show, I'm not the strongest person when it comes to horror movies. I can be easily spooked, easily uncomfortable. And this movie did all that for me. Every kill, I was, you know, curling up in a ball and just kind of just yelling at the screen, just like, no, 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 make it stop. So that I loved. Yes, the story falters. 
do I like this one as much as I loved 2018 Halloween? Not even close. I would say it, it, it's not even better than the original. And not, none of them are going to be better than the original. But it has made me excited to see how this new trilogy ends or how they plan on... I Well, I'd say plan on ending the franchise in itself. But we know within the next five, 10 years, 15 years, someone's going to come along and say, hey, I'm going to redo Halloween. It's never going to... The series itself is never going to die. But I'd like to see how this story of Michael will end. And I do hope it is just some kind of big final act between Laurie and Michael in the end. And I'm looking forward to it. But out of 60 Jimmy Neutron episodes, yeah, I would give I'll give this solid. I'll watch 48 of the episodes, but I'm going to save the last ones to then watch for the next one. So with that, that is our condensed spoof episode of Halloween Kills. I'd love to thank uh, Andrew Cavanaugh for actually creating new music for the show. He's great in everything he does. Uh, Connor McLeod for making the artwork. Travis Kaiser for editing. All their information is linked in the description of the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook. You can email us at uh, horriblefriends at Gmail. And we've got an Instagram. Um, and actually, since it's someone's first time on the show, I would like to give the honor of signing the show off to Mike John. So, Mike, what do you have to say to Michael Myers in preparation for this last movie? Look at the size of my dick. Um, no, um, have a spooky time. Sorry, my cats are yelling at each other. I just want to make sure they were done. Okay. Um...